Welcome to this episode of Tea with Triggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help us stay at home more comfortable. My daughter Carly introduced me to a wonderful show on Netflix called Somebody Feed Phil and I fell instantly in love with the program. It's written by and stars the wonderful Phil Rosenthal. So I contacted Phil and I said, please do my podcast and happily he said yes. So here's Phil. Well, I am so happy today because on the other end of the microphone is somebody I absolutely love. I'm a huge fan and I'm so thrilled he agreed to do my podcast and it's Mr. Phil Rosenthal. Hello, Phil. Twiggy, I can't believe I'm talking to you because you know what happened to me in 1983? I went to a Broadway show called My One and Only and saw you with that tall gentleman. (laughs) <laughs> Tommy, Tommy too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> How was that for you? I want to interview you now. How did you? Was that the was, greatest uh, yeah, experience? Unbelievable, unbelievable. Actually, before I tell you the story, I'm going to yeah. just make sure you've got your cup of tea. I do. I even have. I mean, uh, your your listeners can't see this, but this is a handmade mug. That's I have all set from the Amalfi Coast near Ravello. Have you ever been to Ravello? I have. It's Come very, on. very beautiful. Shouldn't we just retire there? Absolutely. Seems like, you know, as the world ends, we should all be in Ravello. You know who I had dinner with in Ravello? I know. I'm gonna... Gore Vidal. Yes. <laughs> because he lived there. Yeah. And I was with my, the first time I went with my wife, we, I had the guidebook, not the phone, the guidebook. <laughs> and I'm walking through the main square and it says, Monica, it says Gore Vidal lives in Ravello. And I put the book down and there was Gore Vidal in the square walking towards me with shopping bags. Hysterical. Yes. He was quite an amazing human being, actually. He was. He I was, was a bit nervous to meet him because he was quite famous for his, he could be quite acid tongued. Of course. But actually he was charming. We, he was. We got, we got on great. Just great. Them. So the tea in my cup. Yes. I brought back from Morocco. Mm. And it's mint tea. It's Le beautiful. Le vert. Yeah. Beautiful. Green, green mint tea. Do you like mint? I do. Tea? I love mint tea. I've it's actually nice. got lemon and ginger at the moment. That's nice too. I love all teas. Are you a tea drinker? Because not, not many Americans yeah. are. No, are. I am. I'm very impressed. <laughs> and I learned, in, uh, we did a show in Hong Kong, and I got to sit with a tea master, and he explained everything to me about tea, that you want the slow release of tea, uh, meaning the caffeine of tea. You want the slow release oh. over time. Coffee hits you hard, and then you crash, right? So yep. you get this big spike in energy, and then it's short-lived, and then down, and so you have to keep drinking it, almost like a drug. Oh, that's, that's why you see people with the Starbucks... With yeah. the giant cups, I, I right? I can't drink coffee. It gives me heartburn and heart palpitations. Well, you're so healthier I, with tea. I like it. It has tea. so many medicinal properties, but you know what he said? Never put milk in your tea because it actually kills oh. the uh, catechins, I think it's called. Oh. The healthy, uh, beneficial properties in the That's tea. That's very hard for an English person. I know. Not to, in order, I mean, I don't have milk in this sort of tea, but in a normal, you know... English breakfast tea or whatever. I have milk and honey in mine. 
No. Well, honey is beautiful. Have you tried the manuka honey? I have. Isn't I take that, that by the by the spoonful. It's meant to be very good for you. Yep. Very good. For you. Well, knows? I'm very glad you've got your tea. Cheers. As Cheers we say over here. My anyway, one and only. Back, Tell us I, about my one and only. <laughs> It was probably the greatest experience of my professional oh. life. Be- I tell you why, because I never thought that I could do that. I, I mean, I'd all, I was fine with cameras because I was, I was a model, so I was never nervous in front of cameras. Yeah. But suddenly to, be a, to have to go out in front of, you know, live people and right. do like... And Tommy had... I, I became friends with Tommy Tune when we did my first film, The Boyfriend, in mm. 1970. So you already could sing and dance. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and um, so Tommy and I became great buddies. He went back to New York and became, you know, the biggest director on Broadway with, you know, all the shows he did, like Nine and yep. Best Little Whorehouse. Amazing. And, oh, so every, I mean, I always yep. tease him because I say he's got so many t- Tony Awards, he could make a crown of Tony <laughs> Awards. And um, he called me in 1982 because we opened in 83. And we'd been trying to get a film together about 10 years before and we couldn't get the money raised or whatever, you know, the usual problems. And um, he called me and he said, I think I've got our project going. And I said, oh, brilliant. When do we start filming? And he said, no, it's going to be on Broadway. It's going to be a Broadway show. It's a Gershwin musical. And I said, oh, my goodness, I can't do that. And he said, there's no such word as can't. Pack your bags and get out to New York. How great is that? (laughs) And he was right. It was the and greatest only the experience. most beautiful music ever in a show. Oh gosh! I mean, how I used to, you know, sometimes you know what it's like when you're working, you know, eight shows a week is is hard work. But did you, you know, ever hurt yourself? I always think that. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. My my, I got a funny ankle. I I got actually it wasn't my ankle's <laughs> fault. My tap, the tap on my heel, yeah, got stuck. There was a bit of the stage that had come up, and my I I did a tap step, and my heel tap got caught under the wedge, and I went flying. Wow! <laughs> they had to bring the curtain in, actually. Oh, I was all right. That's I was, a good it story. Shocked me, but um... do you ever hear of a musical called uh, Starlight Express? Yes, I never saw it actually. I never, I never did either, it, no. but you know what that was? Ro- roller skates, wasn't it? They were pretending to be a train in the way that they pretended to be cats mm. in cats, but they were train cars and they were all on roller skates and they had these ramps built all around the stage. That's right. This show pictures. was like a serial killer. Oh this show God. sent more people to the hospital than anything in New York. Oh, cuz they crash. It's oh my true. God. That people kill themselves doing that oh, show. That's his stone. Oh, and, and then, of course, Spider Man with the flying. The, those God. poor guys, so many yeah. of them <laughs> maimed for life. Yeah, at least Tommy didn't get me flying. <clears throat> no. He got me no. tapping and singing, but not flying. Yeah. Well, but no, Broadway, was, very dangerous. It was, it was a brilliant experience. Of course. How long did that run? We did, oh gosh, it seemed like forever. We, in all in all, with rehearsals and opening in Boston, two years. But on Broadway, it was a year and a half. And they right. said it would never last. A year and a half, that's a very long, <laughs> you know, doing the same eight yeah, shows a week. Yeah, did yeah. you ever get a break? Uh, one week. Wow. One week. People but, don't even know, realize how hard you know, it was. No, it was such a huge chance for me, an experience. I did love it. And, you know, and you get into a rhythm, don't you, when you're doing... 
Well, how long did you do um, Everybody Loves Raymond? Nine I mean, years. That, that's nine years. That's, yeah, but that's, it's, that's it, hard work. But though, Twiggy, it's one show a week. Yeah, and but it's a that half one, hour. Yeah, but that one show you've got to sit and write, right? Of course. That's will the you hard explain part. to the listeners? I, I, all the American people will know this, but in England, I don't think they understand with this the, the sitcom formula. Right. In America, it's it's a it's a, a group of writers who write it as that's the right. weeks go on, right? Because in and England, for you one season, one series is six episodes, and in America, and it's can be twenty six. Yeah. For, for per year, that's a lot. That's a, that's, that's why a I lot. said. Yeah. Although you said it's not, not as hard work as being on stage, no. I think I actually think for the writing team, it's probably more stressful. Well, yes, because the hours you were. I mean, that's I did. Right. I I did a very short-lived um, sitcom with a lovely actress who I know you know, the gorgeous Fran Drescher. Oh, the best. And uh, we did a show called Princess, and me and Julie Haggerty and Frank. Another, another best. Uh, it that was must lovely. have been a great show. The oh, three well, of I you. have never laughed so much in my life. I wonder I mean, if there's it, a tape of it that we can see. I don't know. There might be. I mean, it only it only ran for about eight episodes, I think. Or and it nine. was Barry Kemp. It was Barry Kemp, who producer, I worked who was for on for the show Coach. That's yeah. right. Which for did a... did Coach come before or after? No, Coach was before, because Barry was the big producer. Right. And um, I don't know what went on, but somebody fell out with somebody and the whole thing fell apart, oh. but, uh, which was really sad. <laughs> That's the story <laughs> of I, Hollywood. Yeah. We were, we were like the innocent victims, really, because we were there gaily doing the show, and it was one of the big bosses and... Oh, I don't know. I, d- I didn't get into it. It was just sad because we were having so... It's so much fun doing a sitcom. I know. You can't believe... You put your heart and soul into it and you you become family. And then all of a sudden it's not there. And you're like, how can this end? You can't let it end. But I read somewhere that, that one of the cast had said that that you and the the network had ended it and nobody else wanted to end it. But you'd all... Well, the network didn't come. want us to end it either. No, but I we bet had been they on didn't. for nine years, and I'll tell you why we ended. We ran out of ideas. <laughs> I, and But that doesn't stop a lot of shows if no, they're no. successful. They keep That's going true. because the, the money gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I know. But I said, you know, you should get off the stage before someone says, hey, you should get off the stage. No, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I, I saw a lot of it originally, but I I've, I've just was watching some the other week. And Doris Roberts, she makes me hysterical. Yes, I mean her double takes when she's looking at the his wife. I know. Oh god. Well, we had uh, what I thought was like an all star cast, cast, like a great basketball team where you could throw the ball to anyone and they would score. And Patricia Heaton is brilliant. Yeah. I watched a clip where she's she she's trying to put a turkey in the oven and she keeps dropping. It's you know it's it's Lucille Ball, isn't it? She's Absolutely wonderful, and and look brilliant. at the actor Ray became. Oh, if you follow him at all, the the you know he's in Martin Scorsese movies. Though. I know. Yeah, so I'm very proud of him. So let's go, let's let I'm going to take you back in time. You grew up. You're from Queens, right? Yeah. Oh, real New Yorker. That's right. New York boy. You know who else was born in Queens? Fran. That's right. And Ray. And Ray. Okay. And our president. 
Oh, dear. So it's not all good news coming out of Queens. I didn't know he was born in Queens. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look how dead everything just went. I just killed the whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he's got spies listening in? (laughs) You never know. Well, if if there's a transcript, at least we know we won't read it. That's so funny. Did you move out when you were a little boy? Yes, I went to the Bronx when I was nine, and then Rockland County, which is a little suburb, uh, about a half an hour north of the city, till I was 17. Then I went to Hofstra University on Long Island and studied theater. So did was the plan to be an actor? Yeah, because uh, I loved comedy. I loved every... I just loved comedians and comedy and, and everyone on television in the 60s and... Uh-huh. and uh, I watched so much TV to a fault. My parents would say, what are you going to do, get a job watching television? (laughs) And the the moment I got a job in Hollywood writing television, my first job, I sent my parents the biggest television that they make with a note on it that said, ha ha. (laughs) That is brilliant. (laughs) But that's all I wanted to do. I didn't know when you're a child, you don't know there's writing and directing and producing. You just see, you know, Jackie Gleason and Art Carney, and you want to be them. You want to just be funny. Not, I didn't want to be a stand-up comedian. I'd say, did you ever do stand-up? I tried it once. It's horrifying. I mean, terrifying. Terrifying. I actually think in our profession that must be the most terrifying of all. You're the most naked because (laughs) if you're a singer, you at least have the song. If you're a comedian, you just have you, Right. So it's, it's, it's rough. And I have the utmost respect for people like Ray Romano and, and, and everyone who dares to get up on stage and do oh, it well. Unbelievable. So in school, in high school, or even elementary school, the only legitimate way for you to be funny and not be thrown out of school is to be in the school play. Mm-hmm. So that was me. Did you do that too? I was, I, I was incredibly shy. I mean... It's so weird what happened to me happened because I was really shy, really, I never, I I never really did the school play. I I, I sang a bit in the choir, but I was terribly shy and I wasn't outgoing. And so what happened to me was so weird because I was as shocked as everyone else, you know, in the, in the world that what happened to me happened. I was obsessed with clothes and fashion like all teenage girls are. Yeah. And that's what I looked like. That makeup was my eye makeup that wow. I used to paint on How myself. How old were you when they grabbed you? They, 16, just. Amazing. But a very young... I mean, when I look at 16-year-olds today, they seem so sophisticated. More sophisticated <laughs> yeah. than me. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was still kind of very shy and, in, 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 you know, and, and hated what I looked like, like most teenage girls. I mean, but I've here's never... here's the met... world telling you, you are the look. <laughs> 
So I just love fashion and I love clothes. Yeah. And I used to make all my clothes because I was a mod. Yes. You know, we had a thing in the 60s um, called Mods and Rockers. Of course. And I was a little mod. And uh, so the clothes were a big element and you couldn't really buy mod clothes. So I used to make them. And, really? Um, and were these featured on the on magazines and things, the, the things you made? Not not there, no, oh. no, because that was just me. I was a schoolgirl. No, they were just clothes I wore at weekends. Nice. So, but that was my kind of look. And then, and then I had the haircut, and that's what kind of catapulted me into madness. <laughs> Do you think mine will catch on, this haircut? Oh, I My think wife so. did it with clippers two days ago, <laughs> and she went a little crazy. They, if you look, you, your listeners can't see this, but... You can see a lot of me right under here. She's going yeah, very she's short. Done, she's done very short. She'll grow. <laughs> I think she was mad at me. <laughs> I've got to talk to you about somebody feed Phil. Okay. Can I just say, it's such a brilliant program. Thank you. I mean, I love travel programs and I love food programs, but and you've managed to combine the two. In, but but it's, it's more than just about food and travel it's 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 I, I everyone should watch it it's brilliant well so you so, so get how it. did the idea how, how did the idea come about we were doing raymond and uh-huh it well it goes back to you know we never went anywhere when i was growing up my, we we never traveled we couldn't afford it and we didn't mm. we literally never went anywhere and we didn't have great food because we couldn't afford that either and my mother worked and she wasn't the best cook she was the best everything else but not the best cook she would admit it i used to say in our house meat was a punishment <laughs> but when i finally in i think i was 23 years old same year i saw you Aww. i went to europe for the first time on a courier flight uh which was a free flight as if you took their packages as your excess baggage that's how it worked oh that's it was right. dhl which is now a worldwide company. But before they had their own planes, their stuff went as your excess baggage. Brilliant. And so you would get a free flight to, let's say, Zurich, and then two weeks were yours to do whatever you want. They weren't paying you, but two weeks later you would come back and do the same thing on the way back to New York. I recommend this to people. If that still exists in some form, you know, kids, this is the way to do it, right? Yeah, free travel. Free travel, stayed in hostels and cheap hotels. It didn't matter. When you're young... Doesn't matter. No. We don't need comfort. Now we need comfort. Now, now, I, we, ne- now, now we need now we the need the posh hotels. A posh hotel <laughs> with a nice pillow and a nice thread count on the <laughs> <laughs> So that's where travel and food got in really deep, right then and there. So that's been you know, coming from my parents' house, it's like in the Wizard of Oz when she opens the door and suddenly the whole movie is in color. That's what it was like. So that stayed with me. Now, we're doing Raymond. And I the first break that we have between season one and season two, or series one and series two, as you would say, they, I asked Ray, what are you going to do on this vacation? And he said, oh, I'll go to the Jersey Shore. And I said, that's nice, New Jersey, just south of New York City, because he likes the beach. I said, well, that's nice. Have you ever been to Europe? Because now we have a little money. You know, you can go wherever you want. Raymond. And he says, nah. I said, why not? He goes, I'm not really interested in other cultures. He said that. Even his own culture, Italian. He didn't, wasn't interested. So I thought right there, we got to do that episode where we send him to Italy with that attitude. 
Brilliant. And we transform him through the magic of Italy and the magic of travel and the food and the people and the scenery. And we send him back as me, someone who's really excited. So it took a few years to convince him to get on a plane. It took a few years to get the network to give us the money to go do the special hour-long Italy episode. Wow. But we did it. And what I saw happen to the character, the arc that I wrote of the character, uh-huh. I saw happen to the person. It happened to Raymond in real life. He was like, oh, my God, the pizza, the gelato, I can't. You know, he was excited. And that stayed with me forever. That was 20 years ago. Amazing. To, and I bet the reason you're doing what you're doing right now is because you like turning people on to things you like. That's true, actually. There's yeah, no greater high in life, right? That's what yep. we do. That's hey, true. this is delicious. I want to share it with you. That's everything, right? It's only good if you can share it. So I've been trying in some form or another. It's not that I didn't stop trying to do sitcoms or other things. I wrote a book. I made a movie. But it's th- this was the passion. And when the other things weren't clicking, because Hollywood really changed over the years. Mm-hmm. I thought if I'm going to bang my head against the wall, why not pick the spot on the wall I really, really like? <laughs> right? So that was this. And I tried in little ways, little even filming with my phone or my little hand camera, uh, little, here we are exploring this place, here we are exploring. And I would send it around town. And finally, the public broadcasting system here in America. Oh, yeah, PPS. They gave me six episodes. And that was oh. called I'll Have What Phil's Having. I don't know if you saw any of those. <laughs> I didn't, no. Those no. are available, I think, on the Amazon say, or the you... iTunes. I think you oh, can I, get them now. I'll, I'll look them up. Because the, no, I, I started aware. with the most famous places in the world, like Paris. And mm-hmm. I did an Italy show. And I did Tokyo and Hong Kong. And that, that it's exactly the same show. I just had to change the name when I went to Netflix. Oh, I see. So it's the same format and the same... Even calling my parents, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love. I, yeah, I, I'm sorry about your mama, Thank but you. they they were wonderful. Sabers. And it's lovely you still call your dada. My dad is still. I love him. He's so brilliant. funny. You know, he's 94. He's not. Yes. He's brilliant. And he has a joke for us every week. And that you know, I there's say, five more shows that we shot already that will come on. I think in the fall or the winter. Oh, good. And they're done. We got in just under the wire before the whole world closed down. Oh, gosh. Uh, but we filmed them, and he's in all of those, and he tells a joke every episode. And I think he's the star of the show. I that people write to me. He's <laughs> I, their favorite I, thing. I, I could I could uh, lie down. He's fine. He They'd watch a funny. show just with him. He is so funny. <laughs> but the one I I I watched um Copenhagen. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, that's a gorgeous episode. Thank it's you. what's so lovely about them because you know there there are lots of travel shows and there are lots of food shows um with chefs and god knows what. But what's so lovely you kind of get in under under the kind of under the belly of the place and you really meet people and you talk to people and and it's not just about posh restaurants. No. You go to... Di- and at that sequence, there's a sequence in the Copenhagen one for the listeners where you go to a, 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 a guy's restaurant and he, he takes you into a field and you yes. pick the... That is so magical with your wife and your kids. 
And it, it, it's, it becomes very personal and you could see the joy on all your faces. He's picking things and out I, of the field and saying, you can eat this. Well, I, I, I come from I New want... York. I don't know. I wouldn't pick anything <laughs> off the ground and eat it. <laughs> but when, you know, that tomato salad with rose petals marinated in vinegar. How about that? Oh, my God. Was it delicious? Of course. But every time I watch one of your shows, I have to go off and make something to eat because it makes me so hungry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because you know, I, I love, I'm not a chef. I love food. I'm not a chef, so I don't know. I really am not a great cook. And people say to me, how do you have a, a show with food featured so much and you can't cook? I say, listen, I meet some of the great chefs in the world. They can't write a sitcom. True enough. So we all contribute <laughs> in our way. And I'm a fan. They want me to come because I'm very, I, you see how appreciative oh. I am. I love it. Uh, you, your reaction. And what about in the um, one in um, with the crab in South Korea? Oh, the best seafood that I've ever had in my life. But that crab yes. was the biggest crab I've That's ever right. seen. It was so big. And you know what? delicious. If you had that crab in America, I don't know about London, that crab would be $800. So seriously, in a restaurant. Yeah. There, it was $200 American. Wow. And it could feed eight people. I'd say that was a lot. But the other thing in that episode, which was touched my heart and soul, was the lady you met who'd uh, been smuggled out of North Korea. Oh, I could cry the thinking girl. about her. Yeah. Oh, my God. What goodness. a story, right? Uh, I always want to do something cultural or interesting other than food we have to if it was just me eating it would be boring yeah. the show <laughs> so we have to do something between meals so why not explore history and architecture and people who who have fascinating lives and the production company said that, you know there's a man you can meet who helps smuggle people out of uh north korea i said sure do you think we could get one of his clients too mm. And they brought, he, he brought Jesse to lunch, who I'd never met before. And she told me this unbelievable story. By the way, I could do a show just on her. We had to cut it down for time. But there, there was this whole part where, you know, she was a teenager and she, she had to wait for the river near her home to freeze so she could cross to the other side by walking on the river. And then in China, she spent two years under a secret identity living with people and selling flowers on the street for two years and then had to smuggle herself all the way down the coast of China till she could get into South Korea. Yeah, because she said it was like three and a half thousand miles or something. I mean, years of a struggle and a journey. But she was so, presumably, well, she said she'd left family members there, That's which right. she probably would never see again. Right. But she was so such a joyous spirit well she she she's a lesson for everyone she's a lesson for everyone yeah. she said you can't change where you're born you can't change right. who your parents are but you can change your life no it was brilliant what a quote and when these we, we ate in a restaurant that features north korean cuisine which is That's the right. cuisine of her childhood and oh and she she got very excited about the potato dumplings these dumplings oh. come and she started to cry because it was her childhood. Oh, I know. Yeah. Very moving, very yeah. moving. Yeah. Have, have you got a favorite episode, a favorite um, city? Uh, I did love that one. I love, I love all of them. They're like, 
there because I actually love everywhere we go. But the most personal ones are going to be the favorites, like the Italy ones. And mm-hmm. and because when you see I'll Have What Phil's Having, there's an Italy show where I I see friends I haven't seen for 30 years that I made on my first <gasps> journey to Europe. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. And then New York, of course, because it's so personal to me. We actually go to my parents' apartment. We actually go where Monica and I... Uh, courted and oh yeah so that's personal though all the, the yeah. you know for me the personal ones of course are going to be just slightly more special and how long do you st- stay in each city are you there for like a, week. a couple of weeks One or week. a, week? a week and i have to say they are so beautifully shot they are i have well i have oh. anthony bourdain's production company that the one that he used right oh. by the way you know how i sold the show originally how i said they said what's the show like i said well i'm exactly like anthony bourdain if he was afraid of everything <laughs> but they are beautiful to look at the the, the shots are yes fantastic there's only and... one thing that's not beautiful to look at in the show what's that you're you're looking at him oh <laughs> that i i totally disagree you are adorable oh you're very nice and then you, every time you eat something and you love it it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant. it's not there's no it. acting i'm really just i uh, can see i love i love it so much and i just feel like i mean twiggy you're talking to someone who truly is the luckiest person that you're ever going to meet that's how oh. i feel i'm so but you've got, you, grateful you, 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 to go you've got that lovely thing you know where Everything is on, is an up, you see the upside of everything, which is lovely. And it's lovely to be a viewer and watch your joy in meeting these people and experiences, experiencing these, you know, tastes. Well, Have you ever been given something to eat that you didn't? Of course. Like? <laughs> of course. If you see the Hong Kong show, I ate a, a thousand year old egg. Uh, it's not really a thousand. It just tastes that way. You know what it is? When I first, what is it? It's a it's an egg that they take and rather than cook it, they coat it in lime and ash and then they bury it. And then it kind of hard boils on its own after a few weeks or months. And then the, they cut it open and you now have the hard boiled egg except that the white of the egg is this brownish orange and the, the yolk is a bluish green. And you take a bite of this thing. And I put an entire half an egg in my mouth because uh, I think uh, there's something wrong with me. And <laughs> the first thing you taste is very, very rotten egg. Oh my and then God. you get this wave of ammonia. Oh, did you spit it out? I didn't. I think the bravest thing I've ever done is chew and swallow that on camera. Ooh. Then I find out, you know, we were in a hot pot restaurant. Where you throw oh, yeah. all kinds of things. And what you're supposed to do with that egg is just shave a tiny bit into the hot pot to add a oh, little thanks. bit of a, you know, I guess horrible flavor that it needs. Yeah. And, but to put the whole thing in your mouth is idiotic. Thanks for telling you, right? Yes, thanks for telling me. <laughs> well, I was pretty fast. No, no one had time to stop me. <laughs> when I first went to Japan, yeah. when I was 17 and a half, yes. you know, and I'd never... We didn't have Japanese restaurants then. This is in nine, 1967. Yeah. So, you know, there was no Japanese restaurants, no Japanese food in England. And so I didn't 
eat sushi or sashimi, which I love now. But yes. I, you know, the, when they told me it was raw fish, I said no, and I I just ate the cooked things, right. which were delicious. And then they they took me and the people I was with to apparently the one of the poshest restaurants in Tokyo, and um, and we were sitting down on on the floor on cushions and and the the girls were all in their beautiful kimonos and then in on this platter and they kind of said this is like the the best thing from this restaurant they put this big platter on the middle of the table and it was a huge fish that was alive wriggling yeah and what you were meant to do was take your knife and slice bits oh, of oh no uh, I I got I was seventeen. I mean, and a half. for someone not used I, to any of that, that's I rough. screamed yes. and got hyster. I got hysterical. Yes. yes, and they had to, and they were so upset because they thought they'd offend. They, they hadn't offended me, but they it shocked me. And they were beside themselves because I was their special guest, and I was screaming the restaurant. That down. is a oh, they was, threw you in the deep end oof, of the pool. That, that is very very rough. Horrible. Yeah. Well, in, in, I, in Tokyo, uh, in sorry, in Seoul, mm-hmm. you saw in the market they were cutting up octopus, and then they give you the tentacles. You know, and, and they're wriggling. They're still wriggling because it doesn't stop moving right away. No, 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 no. And you're I very, ate it, and it I was did. <laughs> very, very chewy and odd. But you know, the secret to all world cuisine is. Taking odd things, maybe even inexpensive ingredients because of need, and mm-hmm. coating them in the most delicious spices and sauces that you can dream up. And that's the whole history of food in the world. It is, actually. You're right. My darling mum, who's long gone, but um, she was not a very good cook. Because, I mean, in England, you couldn't get good food. Oh, the food scene until... in England has skyrocketed. Oh, my goodness. It's fantastic. But, you know, when I was a teenager, we they had a few Italian restaurants that were good, and that was it. Yes. And a couple of maybe right. Indian right. that just Indian started to come in. Indian was always good there, yeah. A really good Indian, especially up in the Midlands. Right. You know, and the, but apart from that, home cooking. My mum boiled vegetables for 25 minutes. <laughs> so cabbage was like, you know, soggy right. and tasteless. I hated vegetables. I hated everything. Yeah, it and, was like um, my mom would take the food, take the flavor out. Now it's that's ready. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they just overcooked everything, that's right. didn't they? Because that's the safest thing to do. Maybe, yeah. Because my my yeah my mum lived through the war, so right. and, it was all and rations, so you still had and they canned had to... vegetables. And yeah, it wasn't until I think the internet showed everyone what could be done. Yeah, around the world. And because I think in Italy they always had good of food. Of course, because they? They, they never stopped being farm to table. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. right? They grew their own things right. and had their own lives. But now, London, uh, if you saw the London episode, I did. You didn't scratch the surface of the brilliant food scene in London. I could have taken you to a few. I'm sure you could. <laughs> All right, in the sequel. You're in the sequel, Twiggy. If, if and when we get back out there, and if and when Netflix even wants more episodes, who knows? How have you coped with the, um, this situation? <sighs> like everyone, you know, there's good days and bad days. There's, there's uh, dare I say, uh, something nice 
to having your family around you so much because my my kids are in their 20s and if this wasn't happening we wouldn't see them so much right so yeah. I st- are they still at home i have well one one lives with his girlfriend down the road and one just graduated uh lily just graduated from college then she can't you know there's nowhere to go so she's with us. actually my i think my heart goes out more to that age yes. you know mid-teens to mid-twenties yes. more than anyone because it's the beginning of their adult lives and they've got so much passion and hope and things they want to do and falling in love and you know meeting new people and and this happens i mean it's it's bad uh but hopefully it's you know a lost year and not years yeah right uh and you have to figure out now how to cope you have to figure out you know this is their war right what did you do during the war? How did you cope? What did you do? Maybe it's character building if you figure out a way to get through it, right? That's you right. You never know. If you can get through this, maybe life then after this is easier. Or it may, will make you appreciate life. Exactly. I, I, I even, I have to say, it's made me reevaluate so many things. Yes. And... I'm sure it's happening all over America, but in England, there's been so many lovely stories about how kind people are being to each right. other and a bit like the situation in a war how everyone or when something awful happens you know people yes. kind of help each other right and so maybe everyone will just sit back and it won't all be about you know making the next buck and doing the next you know it, it will be about being kinder to people and i hope i hope it doesn't all go back to I think other, but. I think there's going to be such an appreciation for life, mm-hmm. for travel, so. for other human beings. As soon as we have the vaccine that works, yeah, there people will celebrate life in a way you've never seen, and that will last for two weeks. <laughs> 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 and then we'll go back to complaining. I know that's true. Actually, it's a human trait, isn't it? it but you know, it. the other lovely thing at the moment around the world, you know, it's helping the planet because there isn't the pollution. I know. Did you see the water in Venice? I know. It's amazing. well, they've got to stop those blooming cruise liners going in. That's my whole episode is about that. Oh, unbelievable! I know. I'm so glad you covered that because it's very important. My my husband, who I hope you'll meet one day when when we get to meet, um, Lee. He's he's an actor and a, oh. a writer and everything. But he did a film in Venice about twelve, fifteen years ago, and I would go out and visit. You know, when they were filming, a lovely place to, to have a film location because oh he was goodness. out there for about three months. So magical. It was a film about Casanova. Ooh. And he played it. Well, he it was um, he he played a, an older character in it. What was the um, name of that movie? Maybe Casanova. It was called Casanova. Okay. And Sienna Miller was in it, and oh, amazing people! But the the big horror there was when these cruise ships would come in. Right, it's an invasion. The people who lived there were saying, you know, it can't keep going on. They're eroding, That's you right. know, everything, and the water, you know, it's going to. And it doesn't Venice help the city. Like, and all these people suddenly get off the yeah. ship. And, Thousands. You know, 
those tiny little streets. Yes. It's madness. And all they do is they go to St. Mark's Square and they yep. take a selfie and they go on a gondola and they take a selfie and they go back to the ship <laughs> to eat and sleep. So it's what I call eat, hit and run tourism because the town, the people who own the shops and the, and the restaurants, they're not benefiting. No, but I have to say, when we Lee, Lee and I watched the Venice one together, your show, and you found some. When he was filming there, I don't know whether they were new, the ones you found, but we didn't find. We found one really great restaurant. I can't right. remember what it was called, but most of them were very touristy, and yep. the food wasn't great. Is this a new thing in Venice? Do you it's think it's gotten better? But there's always been a few. There's always a few. There's always, you know, it's where the Venetians eat. But I, I don't know if you saw this part where the, the restaurant owner says, you got to be careful if you're a tourist because you you got to make sure there's a kitchen in the restaurant. I'm like, what do you mean, kitchen? <laughs> he said, yeah, there are restaurants without kitchens. I said, what, what do you mean? How does that work? The food's made in a factory, spaghetti and meatballs, frozen. Oh, my God. Sent out to many of the tourist restaurants. And the waitress, when you take the order, goes in the back and there's a microwave and she heats it up for the stupid tourist who doesn't know the difference and brings it to you. I said, how do you know your dad? How do you know that's not happening? He goes, look for signs of a chef with a hat. Look for <laughs> a kitchen. Look, I, I didn't know to do that. Now, now, you know. Well, that's why we had a few really terrible yes, meals. You were eating frozen TV dinners. Oh, my God. That is frightening, actually. Yes. Absolutely frightening. But uh, why why change it? If it's if it's cheap for you, you make more money, and the tourists don't know the difference and don't yeah. care. That's what's sad, isn't it? Because it, it is the most beautiful city in the world. The most beautiful, the most picturesque. It just gets in your soul. It does. And keeps calling you back. But now, you know, the, I'm glad the water is getting clean. Do you, do you know the story about Catherine Hepburn when she was filming Summertime in the 1950s? No. There was a scene where she had to fall in the canal. So they filmed it like 12 takes, right, of her falling into the canal. Do you know that she had an eye infection that lasted her entire life from how dirty that water was? Ooh. Yeah. The rest of her that, life, that, she was plagued that by that water. That surprise me. Yeah. But now you can see, if you go online, people, and see uh, videos on YouTube of what it's like now, you can literally see fish in the canals. It's yeah. crystal clear. You can see to yeah. the bottom. But this is happening all around the world. Because I, right. I, forget, I forget where it was. I think it was, I think it was around Thailand. Yes. Uh, it was a program about what's happening. And there's a bay there that hasn't had fish in it for years and years. Right. And they're all coming back and they can't believe it. That's and they've right. got all suddenly full of fish. And... and where I am right now in Los Angeles, we have the cleanest air in America right now. That is, that's mad. And we have the I've, worst. I've lived there yes. for a few years, as you know, and that smog is horrendous. So it, it's lifted. Yep. So is that is that because of um, car pollution and aeroplanes? Yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. And there's no planes flying, right? Hardly. I'm not flying. Are you flying? Actually, I think they're just opening up the flights in England, yeah. but you can only fly to, I mean, I wouldn't at the moment, uh, you can fly to Spain, Italy, I think it is, a few European ones. They haven't opened the long haul yet. Oh, I can't wait till we can go. Uh, we were supposed to have a, a nice, uh, it's our 30th wedding anniversary this oh, year. Oh, congratulations. And in April, 
we were supposed to uh, go to Venice, Marrakesh, oh. and um, Paris. But instead, we adopted a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> What's he called? Murray. Aww. And if you go on my Instagram, you can see the daily Murray. There's a picture or two of Murray every day. And we've had him since he's 10 weeks old, and now he's six Aww. months old. And he's gorgeous. And, and I recommend this to everybody who's stuck at home. Adopt, rescue an animal because yeah. you'll never have this time to train it or bond with it. There's even videos now that are, uh, when this ends, you should watch this because this is how to train your dog to cope with you not being there all the time. Oh, that's right. Right. All, the, all these animals are going to be pining after their owners. They're used to this now. So it, when, I mean, I'm going to say when this ends and when we get a vaccine. Well, that's my attitude too. It will end. And the reason I'm very confident is because it's only happened every other time there's been something like this. Yeah. And also because it's happening all around the world, all the great scientists in the world are working together to try and somebody's going to come up with something. There was even news today that there was very encouraging news from one pharmaceutical company. It just, people have to not be greedy and they have to make this available to the world for free and it has to be subsidized by the governments. That's and the worry because with some of the companies, you just worry that they're going to charge too much money. Can I just ask you then, have you, I've become a really good cleaner through the lockdown because oh. <laughs> we can't have anyone yes. in the house. I quite enjoy it actually. There's a wonderful, there's a wonderful clip on social media somewhere. You, you, you know who Elaine Page is? She originated yes. uh, the role in Evita. Yes. And there's a clip of her in her rubber gloves, cleaning the shower, singing, don't cry for me, I'm the cleaner. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> in her yellow rubber glove, you've got to see it. It's brilliant. Listen, we've been forced to be inventive. Yeah. Right? I've taken up sewing again and knitting. Fantastic. I cook a lot. I love it. I was going to teach myself the piano, but I haven't had time. <laughs> wow. Have you taken up anything new? Uh, let's see. What I can do is arrange lunch with friends, either this way over Zoom, or you can go and sit outside if you keep a safe distance, and I am doing that more and more. They've said it's safe to do that, so I do that. But I'm not going inside bars or restaurants certainly are they open in california because they're not they here are yet. and it's it's treacherous because i think the government has said you can be open because it absolves them or of having to pay a bailout what we said you could open why it's not our fault if nobody comes yeah. <laughs> right? i think because they're i think from this saturday they're opening restaurants and and certain places in the uk well, sit outside, um, and I think people. that's I think that's the same reason I think yeah. because but it does worry I'd I'd be a bit concerned about that I think if you can sit outside which you can in California much more than you yes. can but now you UK. can in London look at, at the, the moment, your summer is here <laughs> yeah so can. that's nice I want you to meet somebody I'm going to give her one earphone is this Monica she loves you oh, hello look, that's Monica <laughs> how are you hi Twiggy hi <laughs> I'm your husband's 
newest fan. <laughs> oh my gosh, and I bet he's yours. Saw her in, in my one and my only. My one and oh, only. That's so yeah. sweet. And I've seen yeah. you lots because I, I, I was saying I was watching the Copenhagen episode last night. Oh yes, which is fabulous. Isn't it beautiful? Oh, that I was saying to Phil that scene. I got someone when, else oh, here somebody too. Somebody else. Who's this? Someone else is here. Hi, <laughs> Lily. How are you? <laughs> oh, I've got the whole Copenhagen <laughs> lot. <laughs> you know, I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and he said, "Oh, darn! You could have been in the London episode." And I just said that to Phil. I should have uh, been there. Or I said, "If you, if you, if you, if we ever get to travel again, <laughs> and you do exactly. one, I'll, I'll come we in will. as a, I'll come in as a visitor. <laughs> that will be fabulous. Or you'll come to LA, God willing." Yes. Oh gosh! Oh, but it's so lovely to meet you all. Oh my so god! Lovely so to nice you. to meet you. Thank you for this letting so us say cool. hello. Okay. Hello, well, when, when we can, we'll all hey, meet Murray. properly. Come here, Murray. I oh, I want to see Murray. Oh yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll bring him one second. Hold up, Murray. She's got to see Murray. There you go. Let me see. Stay healthy. Lovely stay to safe. meet you and you. Thank stay you. safe. Oh Murray! Oh Murray! Oh, you are gorgeous. What is he? Beauty. What is he? He's a great Pyrenees shepherd mix. He okay, is he's very gorgeous. Heavy, so I'm putting him down now. And he's, and he's so, very, he's... very spoiled, I can see. <laughs> so cute. Uh, so so cute. thank you for meeting the family. Oh, that, that was, was nice so of you. lovely. They're gorgeous. Well, I feel like I know them because of watching them. That's what's so nice. Oh, And it's just, it just nice. been such a pleasure. Before you go, have you got any... New books you've read that you can recommend to anyone? Or I'm waiting for this book uh, that that Trump's niece has written. They've 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 managed to delay it uh, somehow. Oh really? But it's going to come out. It'll all come out. I don't know why I'm so anxious to read this one. I think it'll have more kind of inside info that we don't know. Okay. All the other books. I mean, nothing will shock us. Well. <laughs> Well, we'll be shocked, but not surprised. But that's true. That's that's true. what it'll be. That's but, true. But uh, I'm 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 very interested in in reading that for some weird reason. And have you taken this downtime, lockdown time, to write? Are you writing anything? I wish I had the discipline to write more. But the truth is, I've been doing a lot of publicity for the series, which just launched. So. Yeah. That has taken up a lot of time because, you know, Netflix has a million shows and they can't do it. No. So you have to do it. Oh, okay. Have you worked with them yet? No, I haven't. Are they nice to work with? Yeah. Yes. I, I'm, I, listen, I'm a huge fan because they, they give everyone programs you want to see. And what would we really? do without them during Ex this time? Exactly. Absolutely. Right? So there's wonderful things to check out there, wonderful series that, that – you know, are really flying under the radar from all that's over right. the world that's so that you can really explore like the world's best library. That's what's lovely about them because when it was only the networks in America and only, you know, the few networks we've got in England, you know, lots of shows didn't get made for whatever reason. And now right. there's people like Netflix who give chances to things that probably would never have got made by the mainstream. Yeah. And, and Absolutely. you know, and... And people love it, and that's why I think your your series has done so well. Because oh, thanks! You know, it's such a brilliant show. Well, I'm your PR in England. I've been telling. I everyone. love you, Twiggy. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be friends now forever, and we're gonna see you 
when we come to London. I have to tell you one one other story. Please. In the 1960s, they made a badge when I when I was discovered. I I meant to tell you before because I just thought it made you laugh. And it's and it said, "Forget Oxfam, feed Twiggy." Wow. <laughs> wow. I just thought it made. I've got one. I've, somebody found me one about ten years ago. Fantastic. A friend said, "I've got a present for you," and it was a, it was a feed Twiggy bag. What's that like having your weight be the subject of conversation? <laughs> it is for me too now. People say you eat so much. Why aren't you, you know, four hundred pounds? It, it, you know, and with me, it's so I, boring. I, I ate like I ate like a horse. I was I I love my food. I always have. And when yes. I was that age, I could eat anything. I just was, my dad was very slender. I just, that was just in my genes. But, you know, that's all people wanted to talk about, what I ate. Twiggy was a better (laughs) name than good metabolism. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's been an absolute joy. You're a joy. And I can't. Twiggy, everybody. uh, And I can't wait to meet you in person and your lovely family. Please stay safe. Me too. Stay in touch. You can always yeah, find me on the, touch now. on the DMs. Or now we have our each other's emails, yes. don't we? Yeah. Good. Thank you. All right, dear. It's been a joy. Oh, I really enjoyed meeting Phil Rosenthal. What a fabulous guy. I knew he'd be lovely. And I'm so thrilled he agreed to come on the show. And I, I got to meet his family too, Monica and Lily and the dog Murray. I was so sweet. He's my new best friend, so I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I did. I'm I'm his fan. I think he's great. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.